What's up? Welcome back to Political Ramble. This is your host, Cyrus King. I'm going to just come with an observation when it comes to Donald Trump and why I think I still think he could win, but 2016 Donald Trump is a lot different than 2020 Donald Trump. 2016 Donald Trump won. Don't let the media fool you. 2016 Donald Trump won because people hated the DNC. Hated. People were tired of the, especially in the, in the industrial Midwest, the bad trade deals that Barack Obama and others have done for years, right? And they wanted an outsider. 2016 Donald Trump ran in the Republican ticket, but he was really a populist, right? He, he spoke about a lot of populist issues. Whether you agree with immigration or not, I think that we should have totally open borders or, or think that we should have totally closed borders. It's a definitely a worthy topic of conversation for a question, right? The uneven trade deals that we have with China is definitely a topic of conversation, right? And even the democratic liberal mindset where they kind of say the concern of the good of the many are more important than the few, which would leave out a lot of people in rural areas or people in from states that are not densely populated, right? That that don't have big populations, right? Like the Dakotas and stuff like that, which are fairly big, but the population is spread out. These are real things. These are real issues, right? And in a way, when you look at it, it's very interesting because... 2016 Donald, 2020 Donald Trump looks complete. It's like a completely different person than 2016 Donald Trump. 2020 Donald Trump is talking about police brutality, very right wing, right? Um, not saying that's not a thing, but I'm just giving an example of he's 100% pro cop, right? No matter what they do, right? Um, even saying things like democratically run cities, right? 2016, Donald Trump was giving it to the Republicans just as much as he was giving it to the Democrats, right? And I understand, I, I'm i not, do I, do I really believe he was a populist? No, I don't believe he's a populist. I believe that people just, I mean, you don't, you don't be a populist and then you fill the White House, his, his staff with political insiders, right? He said he's going to drain the swamp and he literally filled his White House with political insiders. So I know he wasn't a populist, but the people following him didn't know that. Now, I would say the one good thing is he hasn't been really aggressive when it comes to war. That's been the one thing that's been pretty cool. I'll give him that. But he's no question. 2020 Donald Trump just seems like a standard Republican. And it's not that this him. Obama was the same way. In 2008, Donald Trump, uh, uh, not Donald Trump, 2008, Barack Obama had a massive online movement, right? By 2012, because I, because I, I had known, I known a few people who used to um, be involved with, with the Obama campaign on a local level, of course, not in Washington, but on a local level, right? And they said like by 2012, he didn't like he had a mailing list, small donations, a lot of those things, and by 2012, he didn't have that, in that sense. To by 2012, he he sounded like a standard Democratic politician. That comes when you get plugged into the machine on a certain level. And when you get plugged into the machine on a certain level, it comes to the point where it changes you. And then that's why there's some people who would say, that's why for me, I've always been the proponent of a third party system. Because either on the right or left, 
it wouldn't matter. If you're plugged into either one of them, you're not going to be able to make the changes, the structural changes that you need, in a sense, because both the right and the left are part of the same machine. There's two different ends. Most people don't realize this. If you look at it, the conflict between the right and left is more of a who's, which, which segment of, of society, industry, not person, backs them, right? I've said this before. The Christian megachurches, the, the, the Christian money, the core white Anglo-Saxon Protestant movements, right? They back the Republicans. The gun groups back the Republicans, right? Energy industries back the Republicans, right? So military, for the most part, Republican, which, which would tie into weapon contractors and things like that, Republican, right? Academia, Democrats, Hollywood, Democrats, Wall Street, both. That should concern you. Wall Street doesn't really care. They actually literally control both. You literally have Donald Trump calling Joe Biden a socialist. Trust me, Wall Street will not be supporting a socialist. Wall Street was so scared of Bernie Sanders, you had no idea. They, they were terrified of Bernie Sanders. Trust me, Wall Street loves Kamala Harris. Wall Street is not backing any socialists, right? But that's what happens with when you're in the two-party system. Even if you were an authentic candidate, it doesn't matter. You will change. If you go on, like how Barack, I trust Barack Obama was not authentic. Donald Trump was not authentic. I bring these guys up because if you look at them and the re-election, Obama went from hope and change and I'm not for war to 2012, he's like a standard tool. Like 2008, he won by a wider margin than a Democrat in a long time, right? 2012 was way closer. And I think 2012, it was against, what was it against Mitt Romney? It was Mitt Romney. Um, who, to be fair, is a pretty moderate Republican. But it just shows that with Donald Trump, like, this is why I don't like the way, yes, his, his handling of COVID is bad. He has a lot of things that's awful, right? But the, and, and I wouldn't say he definitely puts himself in this strange, vague, ambiguous position where it seems like he defended white supremacists. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really see that myself, but I can see how that would be. I, I can see it, how some people could say that, but I don't think that should be the major critiques of Donald Trump. There's many things that you can actually hit Donald Trump with. Going into stuff like Russia and things like that, you can that, that was always bullshit, but it was something that you couldn't go into other wars, like in, other illegal wars that we were doing, the conflict in Yemen and the coups in South America, because the Democrats backed that too. So we had to pick Russia where. They, they it didn't really affect them as much. So when you look at Trump, he has kind of embraced the Republican cultural warfare, whether it's socialism, whether it's I'm tough on crime, instead of the populism that got him in 2016. And so that has made him more vulnerable. And but because the Democrats, like I've said before, in the end of the day. Uh, the Democrats, and I'm going to make a separate podcast on Democrats in the, in the next few days. It's going to be much longer because I have a lot of animosity towards the Democrats myself. The Democrats are often more corrupt than even Trump. They're just more efficient. It's a difference. Trump is like a child. And Trump represents a problem that's not going away. The problem is... People sort of know that both parties are corrupt. They just don't know what to do about it. The problem is Americans definitely still have some cultural issues that we have to get over. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to mean police brutality. 
by any stretch of the imagination. That's a real serious problem. It's been a problem for a long time. Um, but I do think we had to be very, very careful with stuff like defund police and like certain movements. Had to be very careful with that. Because I've always been a person who's paid attention more to international politics. Because, and not international politics the way you see it. Like, there's a saying, like, when you go and work for the Central Intelligence Agency, right? Most people don't, don't know this. When you work for the Central Intelligence Agency and you're processing data and things like that, I guess to some extent NSA as well, you almost have to relearn. Like, they actually have to put you through programs to actually relearn how to process information. Because we don't know how to process information. Like, domestically, it's theater. So domestically, we'll get into... You know, Venezuela is 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 is, is uh, what is it? Socialist, right? Um, we'll get into you know things like Antifa. Antifa is taking over the world, or or even better, from the left, we'll get into Donald Trump's a new Hitler. Like, it's basically domestic politics, or even understanding of domestic data, is based on emotion, and it's emotion first, data second. When you start dealing with international politics, like there's a lot of things internationally. Like when people saw like how when people talk about, look, man, I'm neutral on the borders. We have dangerous cartels who literally. I mean, Mexican cartels have their own armies, right? Like there are a lot of things that go on internationally that the average American has no clue about. The average American actually think and. But this is partly, partly tied into the racism, to be honest. This is partly tied into the racism that gangs are actually a bigger threat than organized crime, literally. Understand what you're saying. Vladimir Putin was former KGB. The Russian mafia used to be KGB. Understand what you're saying. Many c- countries, governments, are sort of organized crime groups. But yet, in America... We still say, we're, we're, we're concerned with thugs who, I mean, think about what you're saying. You would have a cartel, a drug cartel that could flood the West Coast, East Coast in days with product, right? And we're concerned with some, excuse my French, ghetto, gang-banging street, street dealer who <laughs> probably wouldn't even be able to move a key worth of product in a week. But visually, we look at the gangbanger and we say that person's the bigger threat, right? That's how, because America, in America, a lot of our emotions and cultural deficiencies have not been addressed. So when you get a guy like Donald Trump, who goes, who comes into this, and he... Trust me, he wasn't a populist. I am not saying he, he really meant anything he said. But he, can, he doesn't even have the populist swagger anymore. He just sounds like a straight-up standard Republican. And that comes in because it's a machine. When you plug yourself into that, you will become that. And that's if you're authentic. Donald Trump and Barack Obama were not authentic. Donald Trump and Barack Obama are two sides of the same coin. Literally. Right? They just represent a new wing of establishment who's taking power for them and their people. That's what, they both represent the same thing. Trump had financial power. Now he got political muscle. Barack Obama had neither. Now he has both. Literally. 
So when you're a Donald Trump supporter and you could blame the media all day and of, of you know they hate him and they want to sabotage him, but you better blame him too because he has pulled back on a lot of things that a lot of things that you liked about him in 2016. So that's definitely an observation I've made. And it's interesting as we have the presidential, the, the vice presidential debate, I'm definitely going to cover that in the next few days as well. So Cyrus King, I was about to say the wrong podcast. This is what happened to me a lot of podcasts. Cyrus King for Political Ramble. Till next time. Peace.